0: We're recording, and Camila Calist, Camila. Thanks for doing it.
1: Yoshi Obayashi. Did I say <laughs> it right? Yeah. Kind of.
0: Well, no, it's perfect. Most people are afraid to even try to say it, and
1: I'm showing off.
0: Wait. So what? Um, I, I don't really want to. It's not that I don't want to, but I know. Um, even before recording, we don't, we don't need to talk too much about your dad because you know a lot of people know who he is. So I'd, I'd like to know more. Things you haven't really Talked too much uh, uh-huh. And I would love to hear More about your mo- mom And um, But am I saying his, Your last name right Cleese
1: uh-huh. but, Uh huh
0: But what what Is that a common English name
1: No Cause it used to be Cheese Cheese right Yeah, yeah. And they changed The H to an L um, Thank fucking god <laughs>
0: But But um, why what did it was that your dad's decision or what I think did? it
1: was my granddad, he was in the army and I think, you know, Lieutenant Cheese or <laughs> Officer Cheese was yeah. probably getting him some uh some people giving him a hard time. So it, your gran-
0: it's, so it was your grandfather's decision to change the last name. I
1: think so, yeah. Um I'm pretty sure that's correct. Yeah. But I'm glad we stuck with it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um I met you I think through Jonathan Branstein Jim Norton's manager and Oh yeah And even before that I remember he mentioning And how funny you were And you know Working really hard In LA circuit Yeah um, But I, I didn't really meet you Maybe a couple of years After he mentioned you And
1: I remember him Mentioning you And then I think he would reached out Maybe about me Doing a podcast Or something with you Like years <clears throat> ago Yeah And then it did Like you were looking for a guest or I can't remember exactly But I knew who you were And then we met I think Was it at the parlor? First
0: I don't remember time? what room But yeah It just, like, it just happened eventually yeah. like One of the room. And you, you were very kind From day one and Really? Yeah <laughs> I'm kidding I, I, I think you're very self-aware And, and in, I can't even imagine I, I'm assuming you live A little bit in England too
1: I did, I grew up in London
0: I can't imagine how um, difficult it is for your dad And I'm sure it was for your mom too, to deal with uh, media Because British media seem pretty vicious
1: Oh, they're brutal I
0: don't think American audience know how, how uh, no, terrifying I mean, they are They're,
1: they're pretty, pretty ruthless um, I think also because I think it's made worse By the fact that in England Like suing is like Just something that people don't do Maybe chalk it up to British manners Or I don't know It's just not a part of the culture there Is that right? You would never sue someone for Slander Yeah, stuff like that Um, So I think they're not as worried about it I mean occasionally they sue people But it's not like in America Where they file lawsuits every couple of weeks
0: Did you you ever meet Steve Coogan?
1: Um, I have met him. I met him at the O2 reunion show. Okay. Um,
0: he hates um, that the uh, media over there.
1: Oh, my and, dad waged war with them after the O2 thing. Did I tell you that? No. Yeah. Um,
0: for those of you who don't know, O2 is a big stadium.
1: Yeah. Reunion. It's a, The Monty Python reunion show is at the O2, which I think seats about 18,000. And the night that it was live broadcast around the world, right? Um, you know, to movie theaters and on live television. In the middle of the, I think it was the dead parrot sketch, sort of out of left field, like right. no real warning. My dad turned to the audience and made a crack about the editor-in-chief of the Daily Mail. Like, Pierce
0: Morgan, wasn't it? No, no that no. was
1: a Twitter battle at later date.
0: Oh, was that Rebecca something? Uh-huh. Uh,
1: no, I think the guy's name was Paul something, maybe
0: all uh, those people were for Rupert Murdoch And it's been big fiasco yeah. Because there was also a hacking thing This is such a hard, difficult thing to talk about I think they were in, in charge um, There was some girl Kidnapped and she was murdered But somebody from that newspaper Were hacking into the phone Erasing the messages So the family thought she was still alive
1: Really? Yeah, I this, missed that, that this, this is insane. just, a,
0: this is a, just a terrible Because um, there was uh, practice among many of those um, newspaper business That they were used to hacking to celebrities' cell phones That's why people like Steve Coogan And I'm sure your dad have a serious problem With the uh, eva- invasion eva- uh, of privacy oh, And yeah. I know your dad doesn't like Pierce Morgan And a lot of people don't like him Because yeah. he pretend like he didn't know any of the hacking Right. So either he's lying or he's incompetent But it was it was just travesty what, what was going on in England
1: Yeah.
0: Um, so... At the old two. uh,
1: Oh, yeah. So in the middle of the sketch, he basically turned to the audience and said something like, did you hear so-and-so, the the editor-in-chief of the Daily Mail, had an asshole transplant Yeah, and the asshole rejected him. Right. And the audience, I think, was a little confused, but (laughs) they laughed uh, and it was the live broadcast night. Anyway, so uh, he already... He and the Daily Mail have been at each other's throats oh, for sure. years, but this just exacerbated it. Cut to three weeks later, it was my opening night of the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. Um, oh, no. <laughs> yeah. And, so it's like
0: a proxy war. They figured they're going to get at you through him.
1: Well, my publicist came running up you know, right before the opening night, and he was like, ah, Camilla, I'm sorry. You know, There's nothing I can really do, but the Daily Mail are here. And I'm, I'm just like, oh, fuck you know cuz a lot of my stand up i talk about my family how could sure. i not you know that that's it's stand up like you we all talk about our families just about and uh
0: is it safe to say they had an agenda and they were looking oh, for problems
1: A 100% because they regurgitated half of my set first of all i think they might have recorded it which kind of irritates me because yeah. i don't think anyone could have like written the extent of notes down that they did. Uh, but they twisted my words and took things out of context. and you know with jokes how important the wording is. Sure. Like I did I do one joke, which is like uh, very I got very exciting news recently. We have a new child in the family, my new stepmom <laughs> uh, which they turned into I think the title of the article was like Camilla Clee's brand stepmother as child. when you put it like that it's a totally different meaning because like I'm saying this that's the other thing in print these things don't read you know the tone is comes across very differently because when I'm saying it I'm grinning and I'm like winking at the audience like because I love myself like I don't wasn't meant to be an attack on her but they basically made it sound like i was ranting on a street corner like they failed to mention i was doing stand-up comedy just about you know and turned the whole thing into a gossip column and it was like it was unreal and i felt horrible like because my life i had zero intention i would never want to hurt my family i love them to death but like they they were very understanding because they get it. Thank God. But oh, your dad but is a, like the twenty-four hours before I was able to get a hold of my dad. I was in a cold sweat. Like, oh my God, they're never going to talk to me again.
0: And I'm sure your your dad is absolutely a, a genius and brilliant performer and a thinker in comedy. I'm sure explaining to his wife. Yeah, and I'm sure she married him because she's he's, she's a have a very good sense of humor as well. But right,
1: you but, know what you're getting into when you yeah. marry into comedy you know
0: um, so uh, I mean how did you uh, were you okay I mean you must be panicking um.
1: Um, oh I mean I was I was having panic attack basically for two days straight only because I was trying to get a hold of my dad and, and he conveniently just didn't have his cell phone on him for like 48 hours I and see. I was so I thought I was getting disowned and <laughs> You know, it just frustrated me because the last thing I'd ever want to do is hurt them. And I think anyone who actually saw me perform the material yeah. could tell you that it's all done in a very like good natured sort of winking at the audience tongue in cheek, like ha, they're in on the joke too way. But the way that they made it sound was completely not that Yeah, because
0: that's one thing. You're very funny but not a malicious person at all.
1: I don't man. think so. And yeah. I mean you know me well enough. Like sure. I I don't want to hurt anyone and um, it, yeah that part of it it's a double edged sword you know I'm grateful it got me the extra publicity sure but like at the same time dealing with that and that was that was the first time in a long time I'd had to deal with that and I actually kind of forget how big he is over there Oh yes. I mean here I feel like I kind of fly under the radar at least way more than over there it was like <laughs> You know, I felt like I was under a microscope and I don't think I could have anticipated the level of scrutiny especially as a new comic that's pretty intimidating cuz yeah. I've only been doing it a few years. It's not like um you know, it would it would be nice to be able to get the experience without being reviewed by 10 different magazines even though you're only doing a week run. Right. You know? It's a
0: it really is a double-edged sword for you. Yeah. Um, but you 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 have a grace and you you know how to conduct yourself in public and I I think um,
1: I think so now. I mean, now that I quit drinking, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so,
0: and um, I I gotta say I'm I'm very grateful. When you were very kind because I was trying to get a ticket to see your dad last November in Glendale. I don't remember the theater, but um, you're kind enough to give me a ticket and backstage. Oh and yeah, I, 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 was I was thrilled. That, that and, was fun. Um, I just feel so much love, and I'm, you know, they're just admire your dad and. um uh, the pla- place was completely packed. Yeah. And after the show, um, he he was so sweet. And your our friend Grace now, my yeah. friend Grace now, boy, she was beside herself because you remember she drew a picture of your dad. Your She's local, an incredible
1: artist. Yeah, yeah. Very talented young young girl who I met at a show, and we'd become Facebook friends. And i I'd, I'd seen her posting these incredible portraits she yeah. did of like Robin Williams <clears> and. A few other people, and then I saw one pop up of my dad, and um, I just know she's such a comedy fan, and she'd write these long posts about it. So
0: she took a train from Santa Barbara to show yeah, up. Yeah, I
1: I told her I would take her to meet him, and she was so cute because when when I introduced her, she I don't think I've ever seen anyone just get completely speechless and flustered and like oh, her, hands her, her hands were shaking. Her hands were shaking. And um my dad just sort of stared at her and I was like I think she's nervous yeah. and she burst out laughing and then she was kind of okay but um your dad I was so gentle that. with
0: her she, she he tried to make her comfortable by putting both of her his hands by his ears and making it like a, right. a like a giant ear and yeah yeah
1: he he's he's wonderful like that too like he um you know he he gets it, and he's very—he's a—he's a great man. He has a great heart, you know.
0: Uh, um, he—he he really is well loved everywhere in the whole planet. Yeah, you know?
1: except by the Daily Mail, I think. <laughs>
0: the gossip thing, yeah, it's—it's it's brutal. I mean, you know that the, the the whole thing with Tiger Woods was like five six years ago, and they still question him about the whole scandal. You know, like give the guy a break, you uh, know. Yeah. But they're—they're they're pretty relentless. Um, I, I might even put. Tokyo media circuit just a little below that with the gossip stuff you know it's it's I uh, I don't know what it is about the uh, Japanese and British media. I know they have a very strong newspaper tradition yeah so they have to keep writing gossip and things like that but um I'm, I'm glad we're we're not as bad as them I think in the states I think we still give a little bit of respect compared to them you know right yeah
1: well I feel like in the us there's certain people who are famous for being famous And those are the ones that exploit the tabloids To get right. the maximum amount of coverage Because they feel like they have to stay relevant And yeah. you know um, I don't think I need to name names here But like We know who Those are the people that You know they call the paparazzi And give them a heads up To let them know where they're going to be Sure um,
0: I don't think your dad Wouldn't be bothered with it You know my, d-
1: my dad would Rather they not know Like he hates it You know and So in England, the paparazzi are going to track down whoever is famous rather than like just the people who are kind of inviting it. And not to say always, because they can be bad here. I mean, it always bothers me when people are really, um, when people get upset because a celebrity snapped at a paparazzi. Yeah. and they're like oh the celebrity should apologize I'm always like no they shouldn't because some of the paparazzis their exact purpose like they go out on a mission to antagonize the celebrity so that they'll snap because if they snap half the time the paparazzi gets to sue them because they broke their camera or like and it makes them look bad. Like that gives them a story. Whereas just getting a nice smiling photo of them leaving a restaurant, that's not a story. And they're incredibly aggressive. And I mean, I read a statistic a long time ago that it was something like 30% of paparazzi are like registered sex offenders. Like they're they're scumbags of the earth. Like there's not... Know that. Oh it's, it's terrible Because they ruin people's lives I mean you have to be okay with like Really fucking up people's and shit They're pretty shameless They're awful yeah um, And in some ways I think the British press are worse But I think they're probably more aggressive Here um, As far as like Well I don't know Princess Diana car chase But like there's been a few instances of like People being chased in their cars By paparazzi or yeah. you know um, They're I remember a couple of occasions As a kid getting like Physically Either Hit Not on purpose But like Pushed You know By people like that Trying to get me out of the way To get to my dad Uh Which is kind of scary When you're a little kid Um But
0: I guess I, Like two more about him Then we'll jump into one. When, when, when did you realize Like your dad Was not a regular dad How old were you
1: Um That's a good question I mean
0: I mean to you That's his regular dad But you know You know what I mean
1: It Not until I was older Than you would think Because it's one of those things Like I didn't really understand What acting was Until I think A lot older Than most people Because I just would see my dad on TV And that was my dad And I mean obviously He's playing these Over the top you know, exaggerated versions of himself, but yeah. still, like I didn't really understand the distinction of like what acting was versus. And it didn't help that you know my mom was an actress, so she I'd seen her on TV, and then yeah. my stepbrothers, their father was a professional golfer, so he was on TV. So I kind of thought, I guess everyone's parents were on TV, <laughs> like it was just.
0: Wait, your so your mother's ex husbands.
1: Oh, my stepbrother. So oh, step okay. My dad's now ex wife, but the one he was married to for, you know, most of me growing up from yeah. about I think like six years old to like I don't so know. So this is your 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 dad's, my dad's third dad's marriage. Okay. Yeah. My mom was my dad's second wife. Um when he was married to uh so wait. Her husband, before marrying my dad, was a professional golfer. Okay. So the two step brothers, who you know, they were, I became very close with because we all lived pretty much together. Yeah. When I was younger, um, their dad is who I'm talking about. Okay. Does that make sense? It's confusing. I know. Yeah. My dad was their stepdad and their real dad. That's
0: got to be weird for you because you know none of my family's in TVP, so you 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 grew up like thinking this is normal.
1: Well, I grew up thinking a lot of things were normal. You know, my dad would, like, most of my childhood photos I'm in, like, I mean, he's in, like, a dress or a monk outfit or a policeman's costume, you know, or dressed like a bat, Um, like, just ridiculous costumes. But, like, when that's what you're used to, you don't know that that's not normal. Right, right. I remember we had to bring in a photo of our parents for show and tell oh, in, like, kindergarten. And, right. of course, he sent me in with a photo. it was, like, of him holding me, um, I think, upside down by my ankles. And he's wearing a dress, high heels, a blonde wig. <laughs> and, you know, but still has his mustache. And yeah. I'm wearing a dress, and, like, my dress is going over my head. Of course, the, the school would they refused to put it on the bulletin board with the other kids and I was kind of upset about that um because to me that was just that was normal yeah. you know I didn't what at that age you don't question things you don't have that cognitive ability yet to say like oh everyone else's parents like their mom is in a dress and their dad is wearing pants like for me it was like oh that's just what dad does <laughs> wow so um, um definitely unique but i don't think i mean does anyone realize until they're much older if their childhood was a little weird like you just sort of assume everyone has the same experience until you're an you start to question those things you know
0: so after your parents got divorced did, did you guys move to states is that what
1: happened not right away uh at first we moved just like Very close Maybe a half a mile away um, From my dad And I I would go to my dad's on weekends Um, And then I think when I was like 10 We moved to the US My mom and I She was going to get remarried Um, So we went over I think first to southern Illinois (laughs) Like to a cornfield Which was fucking culture shock After London You know The town was like population five hundred, and I think like four hundred of those people probably had the last the same last name. Um, it was pretty redneck, but that didn't work out. So we ended up in downtown Chicago.
0: Okay. Um, I mean, London truly is one of the top three greatest cities of the world, and it's massive. It was
1: wonderful. I mean, it Chicago is a great city too. Yeah, but the weather blows. Um, and at that age. I I just was not I was pissed <laughs> I did not want to move you know all my friends were in England and my dad was in England and I think it would have been a lot different had it been now because the communication is so good but like if you think about it back then we didn't even have email Skype all we had was a landline that you could call but like if you weren't home then you didn't talk to your dad like it so
0: you definitely lose contact with friends, and when I moved from Japan to yeah. here, I mean, you, I wanted to, but it's a you know back then calling people it was very expensive, and yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Um, and the time difference that sure. makes things difficult, you know, because um, you are constantly. I think Chicago to London was it was six hours ahead in London, but that's enough where when I get home from school, my dad's in bed. Um, I say, you know, so it. It was tough, Um, not to mention then they'd be like, you're going to your dad's for two weeks and you have to get on an airplane for like eight or nine hours by yourself. (laughs) Oh, so you flew
0: in by yourself? Oh, yeah,
1: all the time. So you were
0: were a pretty mature kid, weren't you?
1: I grew up fast, yeah, for sure. Um, But, you know, God, I used to hate those flights. Because you can imagine, like, this is before they had, like, DVD players, game movies. movies. Yeah, Yeah, like, they were like, here's your book. And you have to read a book. And I actually like to read, but not for eight or nine hours as a kid.
0: Were they, I know I'm way older than you, but were they smoking cigarettes in there?
1: I think a little bit when I was real young. And then it, right around the time I started doing that fight by myself more regularly I think it stopped.
0: Whenever I talk to someone like Tony or younger, they're always shocked to find that they smoke. But yeah, oh, yeah, like I'm old enough to remember like everyone was smoking cigarettes.
1: Oh yeah.
0: Yeah. <clears throat> um so if you know my um I read article about when you uh, you know Sort of last your mom when your mom passed away your dad has wonderful things to say about her, you know. Like um I'm I'm it's nice that um you know whatever the difference they had when they separated they were still friends and he, he, yeah, yeah, I mean their
1: divorce was like very amicable. I, I think my dad said so this is my offer and he was he's a very generous man. Mm-hmm. He was basically like so I'll give you half and let's just not go to court and make this a big deal and my mom was like that sounds great and they went on their way which is you know I think how it should be Um, I mean I'm sure there's situations like with cheating and stuff like that where I could understand but compared to his his third divorce it certainly was nice <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> um, I might pronounce her your, your, your mother your mother's name is Barbara Trentham Trentham yeah, yeah that was
1: actually her name from her first marriage mm-hmm. her maiden name was Schilling uh, but I think Trentham was her professional name um, but uh, yeah they were friends like they they always got along after the divorce i think there were times when they were frustrated i know my dad you know when i was younger wasn't happy about her taking me to the u.s um but
0: for like summer vacation or something or
1: no because i moved with my mom to the u.s and so uh-uh. my dad was still in london so i, I mean i'm just, he would have rather i'd stayed in london sure but um you know i think in general, they always liked and respected each other That's good Which I was lucky for, yeah um,
0: And of course, your good look comes from your mom I think she was a, <laughs> She's an American model Thank you uh, um, Yeah, actress. I would say so yeah. I,
1: you know, I don't think I look much like I my mean, dad I you're, mean, you're, you're so God. tall and I got my height from him, certainly
0: uh, And I think, is that right? I think your mom was on the Vogue magazine yeah, coverage too, is right? Yeah, she was a
1: pretty big model um, and did a little acting She she was in the original Rollerball and
0: Yeah It's so funny talking to you about that Because I remember as a kid watching that You know And um, It was like it was so strange To meet someone that actually was You know the daughter of her You know um, Sammy Khan Wait wait um, Jimmy Jimmy Khan Yeah in, in the movie as James well James Khan Yeah James And Yeah I remember I, I think I was probably 7 or 8 at the time Saw it, and here here we are talking to you I know, it's
1: strange, isn't it? Full circle And
0: my my grandmother was dying from cancer And I think um, she was living in Seattle at the time She was getting pretty good treatment No one would tell her she was dying from cancer But I remember as a kid visiting the state for the first time Two guys made her laugh It was Benny Hill and your dad's physicality, you know Because she didn't speak English But it was really nice to see last six months of her life that was like the one of the biggest laughs that she had you know oh nice yeah that's Um,
1: always nice to hear yeah i mean that's certainly when you need it the most i felt like with my mom when she was sick i was just constantly trying to make her laugh in the hospital and keep things on upbeat and she had a pretty dark sense of humor too so and thank god because (laughs) you know long days of of being in the hospital But she used to like To fuck with the doctors Which I loved to watch Like she would <laughs> She was so funny about it um,
0: So she she was Born and raised In New York City uh, uh, Brooklyn or
1: In New York And then I think When she was Relatively young They moved to Connecticut
0: Okay um, and, and she always Made me a model Or was one of those Classic story Like somebody saw her And discovered her
1: Um, I think so Yeah She went to university mm-hmm. She went to Mount Holyoke kind of did the very like correct thing to do and majored in art history she's a a very talented artist um and that was always kind of I think her main passion but wound up sort of falling into modeling and doing very well um
0: well for sure I mean you can't get hired than getting on cover of vogue you know? yeah
1: I, and she was incredibly beautiful um and then that sort of segued into acting, acting. she did some TV. Re- Uh Reporting And then directed a show Called like Amazing Animals Or something Where they had a water skiing squirrel
0: (laughs) Oh she became a journalist Later on?
1: Uh Sort of I don't quite know The chronological order of things To be totally honest Yeah Um Something like that
0: And that's how She met your dad
1: They met backstage At the Hollywood Bowl I see Um From what I understand Uh when Monty Python shot live from the Hollywood Bowl there right. 40 well how many years yeah i guess it would have been about like maybe <clears throat> 35 years 40 years ago and uh which was kind of a crazy coincidence because i just went to see spam a lot at the hollywood bowl <laughs> okay which was the first time that with a different cast right like, well yeah i mean it's still a it's basically the holy grail is yeah. a, a musical so Eric was there but none of the other pythons were there
0: right Eric Heidel Eric
1: Idol, yeah Um, but I went to go see that and it just coincidentally it was sort of weird and sad and cathartic but uh, that's
0: everything started for you right I mean really what the fact that your mom met your dad
1: at that yeah uh, yeah. like that's how I'm here but it happened to be on the anniversary of my mom's death which was sort of a weird coincidence Yeah, yeah right um so when they started singing Always Look on the Bright Side of Life, I burst into tears. Yeah. <laughs> Which was it had been a long week. But it was, you know, it's sad. But it was kind of a nice it was an incredible night. They it was really fun. Um, do you mind if I take a quick bathroom break? Oh yeah, sure.
0: Sorry. Let me pause.
1: Oh, your grandma.
0: Oh yeah, we were talking sorry, we we're back recording and it's it's been half an hour, so I don't remember what we were talking. I know we were talking about your mom, so um yeah. I, I here's a couple of questions. So what was what was she like? i um, i'm she, she seemed very sweet,
1: oh, she had a heart of gold she was she was a wonderful lady um we didn't always have the easiest relationship, <laughs> but yeah, I was no angel, and you know i think she was very passionate and very um <coughs> i think temperament wise I've always been a little more like my dad, like I'm a little more even keel laid mm-hmm. back and i'm a very logical and rational thinker like i i more so than an emotional or emotionally driven person i sure. guess um and i think she was more like that which sometimes made it tough but um she was an incredible artist and she had a great sense of humor she was actually the first person to ever Suggested I do stand-up comedy And well, years what, what, before I started doing it And I used to be like Oh mom stop that's stupid I could never do stand-up Like don't be ridiculous Which is so funny Because she was right I mean she
0: She obviously saw something in you that yeah, yeah she
1: just thought I'd be good at it I guess And you know I It it was a bummer that she never got to see me do it um, Oh not even once No I mean she saw a video But like and i would sometimes run my stand up bits for her at the hospital but like she would usually you know fall asleep which yeah. is not like <laughs> what you're hoping for when you're doing stand up but she was on so many drugs and things at that point i was just trying to kind of keep the humor light um but it you know it, it's cool that it was really her idea initially it just took me a lot of years to get the courage up to to try it yeah. I say, yeah
0: and so uh, after that acting and TV business she devoted her time painting Is
1: yeah she was an incredibly talented oil painter and did uh, that was always kind of her passion and once she married my dad she dedicated a lot more time to that um, and continued to sort of for the rest of her life and mm-hmm. she was always very grateful to my dad because when they did divorce you know he left her in a very comfortable place financially sure. and that enabled her to keep doing what she loved to do and and you know I know that she was eternally grateful for that Um, <coughs> and she you know she didn't fit the stereotype of someone who's a former model and stuff by any means like she was always much more into her art she wasn't a a very materialistic person very grounded um, you know and I think instilled some of that at least in me like we we lived very normally it wasn't extravagant Uh, I think a lot of people assume from my last name that I probably had credit cards and was out shopping and doing you know which I don't think I had a credit card till I was 19 or 20 and then it was just for like school expenses or horse expenses that was really the one place where you know definitely I was spoiled I was very fortunate to have the horses and stuff but it's not like that was something that I guess I just mean like I didn't ever have access to my parents money in the way that a lot of kids that grow up with money do like it it all the horses were paid for by my parents, but yeah. I wasn't able to say, Oh, I'm gonna go out and buy this Gucci bag or like anything remotely like that. I mean I shopped at the gap. That was like a special treat kind of thing. Um when I was younger. But the horses was <laughs> definitely I was very lucky to have. I mean, that sport is Stupid, expensive.
0: Were you were you doing that in, in England, or you just started in the
1: States? I started in England. Uh, it's a very popular sport for young girls over there. Like it's sort of, it's huge. Um, Was it? Your- it's a lot more reasonably priced over there. I will say, it like, is. Yeah, I mean, to take lessons and do pony club stuff. It may have changed since then. I mean, we're now talking sort of 20, 20 some years ago, but. Uh, To take riding lessons and do pony club activities Was pretty reasonable Compared to what it is here Um, And I grew up going to the stables Every weekend And and taking riding lessons through Hyde Park I don't know, you've been to London, right? Yeah, yeah yeah. So those big orange sandy trails through the park That's where I learned to ride I Um,
0: see Was it your mother's idea or your dad? Or this is something you want to do?
1: um, One of my best friends in school She rode and so I started going and taking lessons with her. Mm -hmm. Um, We'd all go... We had like a half day on Wednesday so we'd all go Wednesday afternoon for our riding lesson and ride around Hyde Park. And uh, I just kind of fell in love with it I think as many young girls typically do. Yeah, Uh, I love being around the horses and and I'm glad I found it because it really was a big influence on my life and it really kind of saved me through some of those tough years um and moving to the US, it was nice to have something that I could still do, you know, that I was passionate about. Like I would go to the stables after school and and kind of felt at home there, you know.
0: Um but is it still like is it, is that a sports of um I don't know, I don't know if middle class in England or is it still somewhat exclusive activity?
1: <laughs> I think it is to some degree, but it's certainly you'll find more people in, you know, the lower middle class or middle class who do it. Maybe not to the extent that the mm-hmm. that the you know, the super wealthy people are doing it, but it it's more accessible. It's not nearly as like esoteric as it is here. Most people wouldn't know it existed. And then it's like this little bubble. Of I, for,
0: I think for most Americans, we see it in like James Bond movies. You right. know, the, the villains writing, doing something every like, four
1: years on the Olympics, <coughs> right. there's some coverage. Um, because here it's it's insane. I mean, our family was like around the poverty line in that yeah. sport. And I was very lucky growing up, you know, it's just most of the families in it. Were these crazy billionaire families That owned Johnson & Johnson Like we talked about earlier sure. Or um, the Bloombergs Or or uh, one of my good friend's parents Owned Boeing um, Which, you know, that's a <laughs> big company <laughs> Yes but the, but <laughs> I think really, every But he's a very uh,
0: distinguished And uh, noticeable last name um,
1: Yeah well so, that wasn't their last name. No, well. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been funny though.
0: Um so one of my friend Marty Hunt, he he um really good looking uh, African American friend of mine and he lives in North Carolina. He and I didn't I don't know where to go because I'm I meant to ranch with horses but equestrian is like a completely different thing, you know. And <laughs> he he told me to ask like a couple questions to you. And I think we already we already talked about it before the show. But he asked me what kind of discipline, and you were doing more cross um,
1: show jumping. Show jumping. So there's there's a bunch of different ways that people compete on horses. There's the Western stuff, which is all rodeo, and those are the big saddles with the horns. That's the biggest distinction, and cowboy hats, and that whole whole sector. And then within the English style of riding. the English saddles don't have a horn. They're much smaller and, in my opinion, more comfortable. I cannot sit mm-hmm. on a Western saddle. But they have... Uh, there's the eventing side of things, which is dressage, cross-country, and show jumping. Um, I mean,
0: cross-country, literally, it, it is just... Cross-country
1: is almost like a steeplechase. Like, you're galloping through fields. Okay. Uh, you're being judged on time and faults. And there are obstacles which you jump, but they're all like natural looking. You know, right. like a big log would be an obstacle or a brush fence. You know, ah. some of them are built, but like sure. they're built so that they're things that you would encounter if you were hunting or doing a steeple chase. They'll have like water <laughs> obstacles where okay. the horse has to gallop through water. Um
0: but you pick show jumping.
1: I did a little bit of eventing in the UK, but over here um that's a smaller side of things uh and cross country is probably the most dangerous too like that's because the obstacles are things like logs they don't fall down so if you hit a big log you fall down Yeah. (laughs) Uh, whereas the show jumping jumps are just wooden poles on stands basically so those fall down like if you jump and the horse hits its front legs against it. They're just going to knock the fence yeah. down. Sometimes they'll still fall down. But why, why am
0: I forgetting his name, Christopher? Um, Christopher Reeves. Yeah. Was he doing cross country?
1: Um, I he was paralyzed, remember. right? He was. Yeah. Which, uh, that's. I mean, I hate to say it's not uncommon, but I mean, we've all had tons of injuries if you did it at at the level that I did, and if you don't, you're very lucky. Um, Georgina Bloomberg. I think has broken her back now two or three times. Jesus Christ. She's like the bionic woman. And she's a tough, I mean, she's a great, great rider, very talented. So you just fall fall
0: out of the, obviously you fall out of the horse and you just break your back.
1: Well, it's, it honestly all depends how you land. Uh, But the most dangerous thing that can happen, which this is how most of the bad injuries happen is when the horse falls too. Because if the horse falls on top of you, now you're dealing with the fact that A, the horse is scared. Yeah. B, you know, you're it. they weigh sort of upwards of maybe 1500 pounds so that landing on top of you, the impact yeah. can be pretty <clears throat> bad. But a lot of it just has to do with the angle that you fall at. You know, I've, I've heard of people who are just walking along and f- the horse spooks. They fall off and they break their neck or Whatever, because you're falling from up, pretty high up. Wait, know? so
0: so you stick listen after a while you're you know you learn to what what is that term that you guys use trot and uh, uh, gallop and what is Cantor canter what is yeah. it's a canter it's like a midpoint between trot and gallop.
1: Um, yeah. So basically, a trot has like two beats. Okay, the horse moves with diagonal pairs of legs, so yeah. the front left and the hind right hit at the same time. Yeah, and then. Uh, the front right and the hind left hit at the same time. Okay. So it's like boom, 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 boom. And then canter is a three beat. Okay. So it's uh, the back two legs hit at the same time and then the front two hit individually. Um, Oh. But there's not a moment. Or maybe there's a very brief moment where all of the legs are off the ground. Gallop is all four hit individually.
0: Wait, is that right?
1: Yeah. And then there's a moment of total suspension, like where none of their legs are on the ground. Right. So it's like one, two, three, four. up, But it's going very, very fast. That's the fastest.
0: I see. It's interesting that you use like a musical language to explain that because... Um, you know, in tango, you and right. your partner becomes one. It seems like a really good uh, rider. Horse is just basically extension of themselves, it looks like. Yeah. yeah.
1: Well, you, that's how you feel it. And a big part of the skill of like when you're doing show jumping, which yeah. is what I did, is you have to make the jumps come up in stride. Yeah. So that it's like the canter, it feels like, but a bum, but a bum, but a bum. Bada bum a bum a bum and that's like when you hear i can i can't do it but when you hear like a sound effect yeah. a sound effect of cantering it usually sounds kind of like that so you if the jump is coming up it's like a bum a bum a bum a bum, bum, bum you know i don't know if that makes sense yeah. but like you want it to stay to come up like in the right amount of strides you you don't want to have it so the horse is having to take off from being too close to the jump or yeah. too far away because that's when you're likely to either have you knock the jump down or the horse stops. Well, so, so
0: so how long did it take you to get like comfortable I mean, we were talking about the, those crazy Japanese TV shows, right? Yeah. And I remember watching a show where a rider had this goofy helmet with a camera on top. It looks terrifying when he's jumping up
1: oh, it, and coming it down
0: and, and it looks It looks cool from distance, but you're you're actually on the fifteen hundred pound horse. That's kind of wasn't it scary for you the first time when you jump? uh?
1: Um, probably, but I mean the jumps are so little. You obviously start, oh, oh, you know, doing these mm -hmm. tiny little things which barely feel different from a canter stride, you know, and then you work your way up, and and the difficulty really is like when I'm six strides (laughs) away from the jump, or I'm coming around the corner to the jump, I need to be able to tell whether. I'm gonna get to the jump in the right number of strides, or like the the jump is going to come up in stride sure and adjust accordingly um especially if there's like let's say there's a jump what we call like a two stride or a gymnastic yeah um or a combination where there's like one jump one stride, one jump uh actually that would be a a single uh but, I think I said a double so one jump and then two strides and then another jump within that distance you walk the distance between you pace it out so you know like is that two strides going to be a long two strides or a short two strides so a lot of it is like then when you're coming around the corner you have to set the horse up so that their stride is either shorter or longer wow. and still make sure that the stride is is going to uh the jump will come up in stride So you're making it as easy as possible For the horse to jump um, When I see a professional rider I hope that makes sense I yeah. feel like it's really not easy to explain Without like showing you on a diagram Or like watching a video or something
0: Because when I see professional people do it It looks like Oh it must be so easy But once Oh yeah Once when I was watching YouTube And they were explaining like Oh my god It's a lot more complicated I thought That whatever the hand thinks you do And your leg And telling the horse to move that um,
1: well, you're using very small, like when you're getting to the big jumps, which I did at the end, the Grand Prix stuff, the five foot three jumps and stuff. It's very important that How you're high? up to like five foot three, five foot six, maybe. Oh, my God. Um, like you want, you have to be incredibly accurate because
0: right. and time it right, the, right.
1: Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, because if you make a, even just a tiny little mistake, collision. If the horse is coming up and then it has to throw in an extra quick stride before the jump you're probably gonna crash at a five foot jump if it's a little two foot jump, the horse can probably maneuver its way over it yeah, but like so the horses have to be trained so that they're incredibly sensitive to like if i literally if I squeeze with my left leg, their whole body is going to move to the right it's it'll move away from my leg or like. If I open my right rein and and do that, it'll move its body to the you know laterally to the right, but keeping its body straight whereas if you if I pull back a little bit on the right rein, it'll bring its head in and it'll go like curve around to the right it's I hope that makes sense yeah Again, I feel like I'm not explaining it very well, but the difference is they have to be very reactive, otherwise you're in trouble yeah. um because if you only have two strides and it's you're doing a short two-stride combination, you have to land and then, whoa, whoa, and then jump again to get out. So if they're too headstrong or something and you you jump in and you have too much momentum, you're going to crash through the second jump on the way out. It's all the, those things that make it very difficult.
0: Have you been in a situation where a horse said, no, I'm not going to jump that," like stop?
1: Oh, like... I mean every day
0: So it does happen
1: Oh yeah I mean Especially once I became a more A better rider Like When you first start riding They try to put you on horses That are going to teach you To be a better rider But then at a certain point When you're a really good rider You start riding horses To teach them to become Better horses Or easier to ride That's you know Train them up a little bit and problem horses I mean I had one horse When is
0: your problem Like they have Temperament issues
1: Sometimes they have Temperament issues Some A lot of times If they have a problem It's usually The fault of a bad rider That's gotten them Into bad habits Or it's it Scared them That's yeah. the most Common thing You know You put a beginning rider On a horse And let it canter At enough jumps And make enough mistakes The horse Starts to get worried Because It can hurt itself You yeah. know Or like if if the rider asks it to take off from too far away, sometimes it doesn't clear the jump and it hits its legs really hard, and then it's nervous the next time. So horses will develop these bad habits, like refusing, or some of them just are naturally, you know, like people they have personalities. So sure. some are more neurotic or more easily spooked than others. Um,
0: have you had bad, uh, horses with bad habit? You were able to correct me correction they, oh yeah uh, i mean so you, you it, do it, all the
1: time but sometimes it's more difficult than others It's you know like with humans like bad habits can become more and more deeply ingrained the longer you do them you know yeah. so it uh the worse a habit is the longer generally it's going to take to to break that and the biggest thing is really just horses that have been Asked to do too much from a young age or had bad riders on them asking them to do things mm-hmm. and it messes up their head, you know, because they stop trusting the riders. Uh, and, or, you know, there's a lot of abusive, horrible people in that business. Unfortunately, it breaks my heart. That was part of the reason that I was okay with walking away from it because there is a lot of abuse and a lot of illegal. Shady practices that you know they try to stop, but it's hard to keep track of. I mean, some of the horse shows they just have thousands of horses, and maybe not thou. Well, yeah, a couple thousand horses at least, like uh, you know, spread across huge amounts of land and yeah. all their tents and stuff. How are you going to have people watching them all all day long and making sure that? they're not being mistreated in any way um, and unfortunately a lot of times people do they'll have like the people that are cheating or doing these kind of abusive horrible things end up winning uh,
0: when you cheating are you talking like steroids and things like that
1: well there's a lot of drugs that they can use I mean they'll even I've heard of them using like human drugs like but oftentimes for the, for the opposite effect like whatever they weren't testing for, like at one point they weren't testing for cocaine. So they would give a horse cocaine not to speed it up, but because the next day it would be like hung over or it would come down from the cocaine and it would mellow it out, you know, which is. Are you serious yeah. about cocaine? Yeah. And it com- it gets out of their system very quickly too. Right. Just like with humans, you know. Um, but more, I think the thing, the stuff that, well, it's hard to say what would bother me more, but like they'll do things like they'll, uh, well, the lowest level of this, which I don't think is illegal, or at least it wasn't when I was younger, is like you'd be cantering up to a jump and there would be someone standing at the jump um, holding like a broomstick at the level of the jump. Okay. And as the horse jumps over it, they would hit the horse's legs. You know, Not necessarily very hard But with the broomstick So that then The horse thought it hit the jump So the next time it would jump higher Higher. Um, So sometimes they would do that kind of stuff To encourage the horse to jump So a little
0: bit of mind game stuff
1: Well yeah It just really was to remind them What it felt like to hit the jump And like a little bit of that within reason I don't think is that bad Because they do have Their legs are not crazy sensitive Uh I mean, I guess they, they can be. It depends how hard you're... Hit. Sure. Like, I don't really condone any of this and did like as little as I could get away with depending on if I was working for someone or not because you kind of had to go along. But the <clears> things that really I found troubling were stuff like uh, they would have... Uh, some people had like rails with spikes sticking out of them so that if the horse hit this, the jump... You know, it would hit like a yeah. fucking nail, um, which would really hurt it, and then it would be terrified to hit it again, so it would be jumping more carefully. Who I, fucking does that, Jesus? Oh, they did horrible things. I mean, there were people who who would rub the fronts of their legs raw and then yeah. bandage them really tightly with like turpentine or rubbing alcohol, so it stung so bad it was yeah. like throbbing, so that again they'd be terrified to hit the jumps, but it it makes them jump amazingly high like it you know and I hate that like I couldn't bear but a lot of people get greedy and they're in it for the money and they you know it is a very risky sport financially because you invest so much money in these animals and then
0: Well, I mean if you win if you're first place in tournament um just cash prize I'm assuming
1: yeah but it's more about the sales like because if they win first prize in the in a few competitions In the Grand Prix Then the horse is worth more money Oh You know oh. It's like It's like an actor with credits You know They're yeah. gonna pay More to get this actor Because he just starred in Twilight I see Like it, it Does that kind of make sense? So, oh yeah um,
0: Well every time These horses are winning Like Kentucky Derby Or Belmont their, their offspring is worth more You know Well
1: and some of the You know the Grand Prix I think start back then at least they started at 25,000 usually um, but that was split between 10 places so oh. whoever came in first I think got around like 25% and then second place would be maybe 20% yeah. I'm Yeah, kind of making these numbers up I don't remember that well but and then all the way down <coughs> but then some of the Grand Prix are like 250,000 500,000 so that in that case it's a lot of money sure. that you're winning yeah Um, but you're also paying an entry fee so that's why it's kind of a gamble because every time you want to compete in one of those things the entry fees can be a thousand two thousand dollars just to participate I see Um, so if it doesn't go well you're just waving goodbye to that money
0: is is it mostly popular in like northeast is that a stereotype
1: Um, it's pretty popular there I think it's become more so in California I mean they have it everywhere but like yeah, the, the states with the old money kind of, you know, New england yeah. states, there's a lot. Uh, upstate New York and Connecticut. Uh, like a lot of the kids from there. But then West Palm Beach, Florida, there's a ton. Ah. There's a big winter circuit there. There's really like the two main big winter circuits. One was uh, West Palm Beach, Florida, and the other one is... In just outside of Palm Springs in India, and depending you would go to one of those two for sort of two months three months uh during the winter and compete there the whole time um, which was interesting. <laughs> For sure
0: I mean I do want to ask A little more question But he did ask me You know What was your worst injury When Marty was asking me To ask you It's funny
1: I had a horse named Marty <laughs> Well Marcellus But okay. his nickname was Marty um, Gosh I've had so many uh, I had a hairline fracture To my neck oh. um, I almost ripped my leg Out of the socket Like I usually would just say I broke my hip But it, it I didn't actually Break the bone But like I fell off And my I didn't have safe, safety stirrups, so wear safety stirrups if you're... Anyway, my foot went through the stirrup and so when the horse, uh, mm. he kind of panicked and started to run or canter away and I my leg was caught in the stirrup and I got drugged. So like my leg almost came out and I tore a bunch of muscle um, in my back and like had to pick pieces of grass out of my skin, which. It was That was probably The most painful thing I did I literally couldn't sit up For three weeks I was just Was there a time
0: Either your mom or dance in like Sweetie just no more We just cannot see you
1: Um
0: This is almost bad As like Kids in high school Playing football I mean
1: Oh probably worse Probably worse Uh I'm sorry, I really have to go to the bathroom. Again. Hmm. I drank like two gallons oh, no, no. of water. no, no, let me let me I, I got to check my cell phone too. I'm sorry.
0: No, no, cool. <laughs> we'll talk when you get back. We'll talk more about <laughs> your injuries. All right, we're back. We're almost done. Um, so <laughs> so I, I can't injuries. imagine it's, it's all these injuries, but you you loved it so much. You didn't care about the injuries.
1: No, I mean, I think it worried my parents some, but I think they also knew that like it was sort of pointless to try and get me to stop. Right, Um, and it did a lot for me. You know, it it definitely really helped me learn to be responsible, and I was very dedicated. And you must uh, done
0: a lot to self confidence to do something difficult.
1: Yeah, well, yeah, and you sort of get known for being good or whatever. And I think um, all the hard work and that paying off and, you know, was really good for me as a kid. Uh, I got in a lot of trouble. Really, it was right when I quit because it was like, oh, wow. Like, uh, you know, they say idle hands are the devil's workshop. Suddenly, like, I went from being on a horse from like 4.30 in the morning till 7 p.m. six days a week or something to like having all this free time. And it was like, Oh, and I felt like I kind of lost my identity. Uh, cause.
0: Why did you quit? Because of the injuries or?
1: Um, well in part because my dad was like, no, I wasn't kidding about you going to university, which is understandable for sure. Um, and I tried to kind of do both for a little while, but it just wasn't viable to, to do well at both. Um, and I started to get frustrated because, you know, I wanted to compete doing the top level, which yeah. is what I'd been doing. But like, if I wasn't riding every day, I just simply wasn't strong enough or good enough to be doing that. So I was sort of failing at both. And I didn't really have a choice. And then my favorite Grand Prix horse, the one I just showed you a picture of, uh, Moose, he. It's
0: a beautiful horse.
1: Injured, and we had to re- retire him. Which was kind of devastating But it was also like Well, I'm not going to get another horse after that um, And understandably so you know? Wait, wait.
0: When, when you say retire You don't mean not to kill it, right? No, no, now. no,
1: no I still have him Yeah yeah. He's like my age
0: <laughs> um, where, where, where is he, in Chicago? Or is he in, in California?
1: No, he's in uh, Camarillo Okay On a farm He's an expensive lawn ornament
0: <laughs> So how often do you go see him?
1: Uh, if I'm honest I haven't been in a long I really need to go visit I haven't Um, it's very emotionally hard to go see them which it's kind of pathetic and a cop out but like it's just very nostalgic and I really do miss that part of my life a lot Um, but
0: the horse will recognize you right away right? oh yeah Yeah.
1: I mean they still I think at least they still know me I mean I still have two one was my first horse who I rescued from he was a racehorse and we got him f- like for 5000 bucks or something when i was about 11 yeah. and i've had him all that time
0: Is um, it better than actually having your car <laughs> when you get a for your
1: horse Uh oh yeah cuz you bond with them and you yeah. love them i mean it was hard like i learned to not always get attached because we did have some horses who we bought and i knew we were going to sell uh and that was just part of Thing, but I kind of had an agreement with my dad like I could keep two and retire them forever
0: I say um
1: not that he would pay for them, I now pay for them, which is way beyond my uh what I should be paying for it, like I mean, not to say that he should be paying for it, but like they're just even though they're just living in a field, they're fucking expensive, man, yeah, uh but I love them, and I would never you know do what a lot of people do, which is just. You know, I can't even say it, God. Uh, but they kill them. Uh, I could never, ever, ever. I mean, it, it breaks my heart. So. Well,
0: so so what what is that arrangement? Do you, do you do you pay people to take care of every month, or or do you? Um, yeah,
1: th- I pay for board. You know, for them to basically like rent for them, uh, and then for food, and then for care. I see. So, Yeah, it adds up.
0: (laughs) Oh, it's it's a lucky horse because Mm -hmm. I know I could imagine others.
1: A startling number just sort of because when like most of the horses are insured. Yeah. And if so, if you have a really good horse like Moose was and he breaks um, and he's done for good, like a lot of times they can recover, but this time there was not a chance uh, you can claim the insurance money But you can only get I think 60% of it Or like this is how it used to be at least uh, Unless you hand the horse over Which I wasn't willing to do Because
0: Oh my I, god so, I, so you mean to tell me when you get rear-ended in your car And um, If the damage is severe They give you money but they also take the car It's a similar kind of
1: yeah, notion Yeah I mean and I don't know if they always like. Again, this is like ten or eleven years ago, and yeah. some of it may have been more like hearsay or urban legend. But I'm, I believe when they take the horses, I mean, what else are they going to do with them? Yeah. They sell them for horse meat or whatever. Which, like, it makes me sick to even think about. I could never, ever, ever. Um, I
0: had no idea.
1: But some people, I think, can justify it because they think to themselves it's so much money um but i don't understand it
0: um before i jump into your stand-up and stuff um i i got marty did ask me what was that professional circuits were like when you're traveling competing it's it's um
1: oh it's like a traveling circus i mean it's crazy and that level of money and uh you know, it's mostly girls and gay men, so you can imagine the level of <laughs> sanity revolving. Wait, around. wait,
0: what, why? Why gay men? Why?
1: Well, so the show jumping, and it's funny. It's more like this in America than it was in the UK. And stuff, okay, but
0: I mean, girls, I understand, they right? Looks, you know,
1: well, I guess just you know, it like ballet too yeah. would be mostly probably girls and gay guys. Like it yeah. just who's drawn to it. The hunters and equitation in particular because those are disciplines where they're both still jumping but they're judged subjectively by judges and they either, if it's hunters, they're judging the horse and how the horse jumps and moves. And wait, wait, when, when you say
0: hunting, like they have called, to pre- they're, they're pretending like they're actually ch- chasing a prey? Or? No,
1: it's just, it's funny. It's pretty misleading. It's a, basically just a term for a division you still do a round of jumping. Okay. But it's a pretty straightforward round. They almost always look the same. Like, okay. it, it's like you do two jumps along the outside of the ring and then two jumps coming across the diagonal back towards home and then two jumps away on the opposite side of the ring and then two coming back home across the diagonal or vice versa. I see. But they're judging the way the horse moves, the way the horse jumps.
0: You get penalized if your leg touched a. Uh, yeah, you know, if you okay, hit okay. a
1: jump, you'll get penalized. Uh, and then the equitation course. What does that mean?
0: What does that word mean? I never heard that.
1: Hunters? Or no, no, equitation. It, it, yeah, that one. Equitation means, so that's, a, a, again, it's a round of jumping. Okay. Or sometimes they, they do have flat classes too, where it's just judged on you riding okay. around on the flat. But it's a round of jumping. Um with the equitation, it's judged subjectively on the rider. So it's like how well it's their style and position and their effectiveness and uh how well they ride the course. Okay. So but you're also gonna get penalized for things like if the horse knocks over a jump or you have a refusal, like you you'll be disqualified basically. But that's judged on the rider. One is judged on the horse, one is judged on the rider, and then the third is judged objectively. Show jumping, that's a more complicated round of jumps. Although, equitation is a complicated, more complicated round, too.
0: You, you know, in how boxing you have three judges, and yeah. sometimes it seems so obvious one side won, but because the judges did something goofy where the person that everyone that lost winning it. So, how that's many. That's
1: exactly how. Yeah, it's very subjective and very political. There's all kinds of things that can.
0: How many judges are judging? Usually, usually.
1: three. Well, it depends. The big class is. Or like the national championships, three. Okay. Typically, at just a regular horse show, it would be one, maybe two. Okay. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of a lot of politics and shady things. You know, it. You never quite know what's going on. Um,
0: so, have you been in a tournament where clearly you're the superior one, that did well, and you just find out somebody else is winning? Yeah, I, I guess it is subjective. Because it's not like boxing. Where well,
1: especially because things, you know, like, and I'm I'm not going to name names, but there's a lot of um, sponsorship that goes on at the horse shows. So yeah. they'll, they'll have classes that are like, you know, this company sponsoring this Grand Prix. Well, ah. so if so and so's family, who owns this company, is sponsoring the Grand Prix, you're
0: gonna get benefit is, of doubt
1: you know riding in in the hunter class they they're probably if two people are really good and they're one of the two people who do you think is going to win right. you know it it does come into play in those and I mean there's some circumstances where because most of the judges are are horse trainers or uh, sell buy and sell horses so sometimes you'll be competing in a class where the you bought the horse from the judge not me i don't think i ever had anything yeah like that happened but you know there's it sounds
0: like conflict of interest
1: yeah there's definite places where you're like really that shouldn't be allowed but uh so it's a
0: similar thing when you're doing Olymp- olympic trial <laughs> so it's, it's
1: it's different at that level because that is show jumping okay. which is that's the objective kind of judging of the three where basically you're given a time allowed, you're okay. given a course of jumps and you have to complete the course um, without knocking any of the jumps down in the shortest amount of... Or actually, in the first round, you don't have to be in the shortest amount of time unless it's a speed round. You just have to make it over in the allowed amount of time yeah, without knocking over any jumps or crossing your tracks. So that would be a refusal that... You get three points for a refusal and four points if you knock a jump down. But the if you get three points for a refusal, you're most likely gonna wind up with time faults. Like if you go over the amount of time allowed, you get Oh, there's a one time fault. limit too. Yeah, you get one fault per second. So if you have a refusal, chances are you're gonna accrue a lot of time faults as well, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um and then whoever jumps the first round clear. In the amount of time allowed, they'll come back for a shortened version of the the round, which is against the clock. And again, you want you know if you are going to win, you have to be the one who jumped all of the jumps without knocking them down in the shortest amount of time. I see, and that that's how they'll get the winners. Um, I hope that kind of makes sense because it's
0: yeah, it, it sounds it's not really
1: super easy to explain. From
0: I I didn't realize there's it was more involved in than what I superficially saw in USB you, know, you, you, you see like one in the morning right like yeah, they'll have like oh that that looks really cool, but i didn't I didn't know what the announcers were saying' quite quite often um
1: yeah it uh there's there's a lot more to it, but that's sort of the bare bones
0: um of it. And I think the last question about horsing before we stand up in the we'll finish. Um, he did ask me, did you know these following people? And I think you already asked me before recording, but he wanted to know Paige Johnson, yep. Georgina Bloomberg, and I don't know Bruce Springsteen's daughter, but. Jessica
1: uh, Springsteen. Um, Jessica's a few years younger. She's a very good rider. Uh, I met her a few times. A good friend of mine was helping her with her ponies back when we were. You know, maybe teenagers. Um, I see. So I don't really know Jessica, but I know she's done very well. Georgina, I was closest to of the three that you said. Uh She was a good friend, still is. Love George. She's a great writer. She's great the human. descendant of
0: Johnson & Johnson. What? She, she, she's the descendant of Johnson & Johnson. Oh, I'm talking
1: about Georgina Bloomberg. Oh, Bloomberg. Uh Who is... Bloomberg's former
0: uh, uh, Her father was Former mayor of New York City Yeah Bloomberg News Bloomberg TV yeah. All that Yeah He literally is Multi-billionaire Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, She's an incredible writer Great human being Awesome Love that girl uh, Tough Tough little cookie Very talented Worked very hard And, and has done very well um, As a writer And Paige too is great We were pretty good friends At one point um, I kind of lost touch with her But yeah, her parents own BET.
0: Oh, that's that uh was it Robert Johnson or yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. He's a former chairman and a uh, founder of they BET. They might have sold it. Yeah. yeah.
1: Um and she's a sweetheart and I I think she still rides. I don't really keep up with that world, but I follow George on, you know, we're friends on Facebook and Instagram and stuff, so I see a lot.
0: Cuz uh, we were talking this documentary <laughs> I really love Jamie Johnson, the descendant of Johnson and Johnson fortune, it's really interesting. Every time, like, there must be two to three girls. They're all come from very good family, money family, but they're always riding horses. That was like a common thing with rich. Um, yeah,
1: it's definitely kind of a society like the esoteric or elitist bunch. It's sort of like boy. The boys played polo and the girls rode right jumpers, and they're both sports that. You know, you're not going to consider getting into and wasting your money like that unless you have a lot of it, I suppose. And it seems I mean, like polo that is even way worse than show jumping, I think.
0: How well, so? Is it more dangerous or
1: no? Expensive wise, oh, like the it's astronomical. I think they can have entry fees for tournaments that you know the tournaments go on for like a month, but or two months or three months. Uh, but it can be like upwards of a million dollars for entry fees. What? That's what I've heard. I don't know as much about it, but
0: Who's that guy from Argentina? He's Nacho Ignacio something. Nacho
1: Figueroa. He's a Figuera. really
0: good looking guy. He yeah. always has commercial clothing. I thought he was just a model. I didn't know he was a like a world uh champion.
1: Yeah, he's he's a good polo player. I think you know he's not like maybe one of the best from what i've heard i've been sort of out of that scene for a long yeah. time but i think he's mostly famous because he's a very good looking one
0: <laughs> is he like the david beckham of a uh, of, uh, polo because- probably
1: a little i don't know that much about soccer but okay um but yeah i mean he's i don't think he's like his handicap actually i'd be curious what it is uh He's not like a 10 or nine goal player, I don't think.
0: See, now you're, you lost me because I don't know anything about polo. So there's handicap? Uh.
1: Polo, so each team has four players. And one of those players will be the patron, they call it, you know, who's the sponsor, basically. And they're almost always by far the worst player on the team. Like they're usually rich old men who pay three professional polo players to come and play with them and, You know, so that they can compete.
0: Wait, wait. Am I hearing this? So there's three, athletic one and the one.
1: Yeah, I mean, some of them get pretty good over the years. Yeah. But so the handicaps work kind of like this. Like uh, you can be, I think it goes up to negative two. Okay. But some people don't even have, or no, maybe it's, I, I forget about the negatives or like they have A or B. But most polo patrones at best, I think, are like a one handicap or a two handicap. Okay. Two would be really good for a patron, right? And then it goes up to 10 goals. And there's only like very few 10 goal players in the world. Right. Um, those are the best. And then nine goal. And each tournament will have a set number of goals they'll say it's a, a 16 goal tournament which means that the handicaps of the players has to total 16
2: uh. on the team
1: so you might have if it's a 16 goal tournament you might have a 8 goal player a 6 goal player and a 2 <coughs> goal player or a, you know h- however you want to break it down okay. that the patron who's usually a zero <laughs> right or like negative they are paying the other three guys to come and play for them, you know, for the horses, all that stuff. Uh, so yeah, it's a weird. It's it's hard. It to sounds explain. almost like
0: a mercenary in a way.
1: It is. It's it's kind of crazy. Like, um, but people don't realize how difficult it is to even become a one-goal or two-goal. Like, because I, you know, having ridden professionally, like I tried to pay, play a little polo a few times and it's amazing how difficult it is to combine the two skills like even though i know how to ride really well which for the record most polo players can't ride worth shit like you can put them not can't ride worth shit but like they're getting ponies that have already been trained for them or whatever um but having to hit a ball and those balls are small with that big long mallet at flying speeds like that's I'd say that and ice hockey are the two hardest sports because you're combining two skills, like you're skating and puck handling. And I've seen
0: it in the TV. like It's amazing they're riding horses at pretty fast speed and just to twist around and hit it as hard as they can.
1: Yeah, it's crazy.
0: Um, Well, I didn't know you knew about uh, polo. But, it's, um,
1: but yeah, I mean, they there was often polo going on in the same places that the horse shows were going on yeah. and because there was a big void of straight men in the horse show world you know and, and a void of women i think in the polo world right. like that obviously they sort of went together
0: so polo is safe to say dominated by men i mean i'm sure some women play but it's it's mostly I mean is there a girls high school polo team?
1: Um I think maybe some places. I don't really know. So it's not that but not at that level, no.
0: Uh I guess um the, and, and they're very nice to you, those names that I just mentioned. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, Mar- all, Marty really wanna know and uh
1: they they're all great girls. I I don't know Jessica very well, but we have a lot of mutual friends.
0: Cool. Yeah. Um I guess the final question is so once you start Doing stand up how, how has it been Going for you um, Every time I see you You do really well And they like you At the Laugh Factory You're always there And I think Flappers you're, you're there quite often
1: I do flappers a bit I try to do the improv When I can And Laugh Factory Parlor All Jay Davis's shows Are great um,
0: Do you, do you, I see you every once in a while At the comedy store too
1: Yeah I'll go there And hang out I'm Friends and family there. I'm not a paid regular. So, I see. you know, that's a tough club to get into. That's, I think, the toughest probably. I mean, all the Hollywood clubs are tough because yeah. there's just so many great comics here. Um, so, uh, yeah, it... Um, sorry, I lost my train of thought. Uh. <laughs> Uh, Stand up's been going great. You know, it's been hard, and it's certainly the most humbling thing I've ever done, as I'm sure you know. Like, you'll have a great set one night, and then you do the same set two hours later, and it goes horribly, and you can't really understand why. And then you want to, you know, it it can be the best feeling in the world or the worst. Uh, I'm sure you're no stranger to that. Yeah, we've all had.
0: And, um, I, I. have you recently gone through on the road or do you like going on the road or do you prefer? Just, yeah, yeah. I way
1: prefer doing shows out of LA. LA's is tough. You know, it's the audiences here are especially judgmental and, or not even judgment. They're just like so self-absorbed. They can't listen half the time. Or They're like, jaded or they're, they're using a cell phone. They think they're like too cool or like, you know, there's just, Plus they tend to not be very up to speed on current events or educated and they don't want to think, uh, you know, that's just a generalization. There's great crowds in LA sometimes, but I prefer just, you know, Chicago audiences are great. New York. They're fantastic. Yeah. I love Chicago in particular has great crowds, uh,
0: I think last I did Schomburg Improv With tell But one of my favorite shows Was We did a small theater And I don't think They do comedy anymore But it was right by Old Boys Town Like the gay section Of Chicago
1: Oh yeah uh, um, Zanies no?
0: No it was a theater And it was packed And we did two shows And
1: Is it where the Laugh Factory is now? Because they turned the la- The new laugh factory there is a this was not a theater. comedy
0: club, it was just a theater, and I think they did comedy for maybe a six month or a year, but uh, I was lucky enough to open for a hotel and I love this drunk audience in chicago oh, yeah, they're fun they're just a fun audience and
1: they're there to laugh and they're they're much more attentive and they're they're fun like here a lot of times you feel like they've got this attitude like all right then so Try and entertain me. Yeah, like they want. They, it's stupid. Jaded. Like, why are you here? <laughs> like,
0: and, and and I know um you perform in England. Is it similar kind of experience? Or do you do you um, do you like the it?
1: crowds? There are different, but I really I I loved it. Um I think my sense of humor is still quite English in some ways. Like we are, we both have an affinity for like the dark material. You know, oh, I, yeah. I like. Dark stuff, and I think they're more receptive to that over there. Um, I mean,
0: Jimmy Carr is great. Yeah, yeah, like, oh my god, he's dark.
1: Whereas, oh yeah, like, and I really like that. And they're in general, they're a little smarter and more up to speed on what's going on in the world. Yeah, uh, but just as a society or culturally, they they're just a little more reserved, so yeah. you don't get the same reaction. But that's just because the people aren't as reactive, unless it's like a late night drunk show and then it's a total reaction. But, like, especially at the Edinburgh Fringe, where that's tough because most of the the audiences, like, once they've arrived, they've already seen two or three hours of comedy. So they're not fresh anymore, you know? That must Uh, be crazy. But they're just a little bit quieter and less Mm -hmm. rambunctious, but they're also more attentive and sort of will still be enjoying it you just have to get used to not getting the same amount of validation <laughs> I guess
0: so uh, let's end it uh, do you have any a big show coming I'm I'm, I'm hoping that we're going to do a little bit of show with Norton when he's in October, yeah I hopefully. hope so
1: I love Norton um, uh, any
0: upcoming road gigs for you
1: Um, what do I have coming up that's I'm surprised that's they, they didn't put
0: you in Last Comic Standing this season
1: I didn't even audition for it
0: you gotta do it next year
1: I I think I will I feel like I'll be more ready next year um, I uh, Let's see Where's my schedule I know on September 20th I'm at the Ice House um,
0: Any parlors Any Ice House
1: And September 10th Or no sorry September 10th I'm at the Ice House Okay in Pasadena um, I've just come off I haven't had a night off In like three weeks But i would left some nights open now uh, What else do I have coming up?
0: Any road gigs?
1: Um, I'm doing the Ventura Comedy Festival That's like around September 20th I want to okay. say Okay um, I don't have much on the road planned Until October I do the Cabo Comedy Festival um Oh, Monday, September 21st, I'm opening for Eliza Schlesinger at Oh, cool. The Hong Kong Inn in Ventura. Um That's about I don't have a ton set up right now, but I need to get on that, so I'm glad you mentioned it. <laughs> um
0: Have you thought about maybe doing Seattle Comedy Competition up there?
1: Um, I've never applied for that, but I might try this year. I need a good tape, and I don't have a, anything very current right now.
0: It's a good experience, and it's. Um, have you a, done it? Long time ago, yeah. I, I used to live it up there. I think Ron Reed, who used to be the general manager for Comedy Store, I mean uh, Comedy Underground, I think he's still running it. But it's it's a really good. Either that, or you could do one in San Francisco Comedy Festival. Yeah, I, can, I think uh, those
1: are linked. Aren't Yeah, they? they're, all, like they're by run by people. the same people. Yeah. Yeah, um, I've heard good things about all of those or those two competitions in particular. I know they're more prestigious than many. Yeah. Uh, but I, yeah, there's, I'll be at a handful of festivals and I'm trying to get on the road more. So good. But and you our- can always check my website, camillocles.com or Twitter, at Facebook, camillocles. I'm not very original with my handle. No, no, but that's easy to but remember. It makes more sense. <laughs>
0: Are you planning to do Shows overseas
1: I'll go back to the UK Next year Okay I wanted to wait Till I can do A full hour Or 45 um,
0: Well so let I me know Because I have year. friends In Scandinavia They love English comedy there and yeah. Especially in Sweden I have friends at Stockholm And I think they I like love
1: Sweden and Norway Because I feel at home there <laughs> Like at oh, You s- look like one Six yeah. foot blonde I yeah. feel like I fit in there
0: And um Cool. Uh any chance you might be working with your dad again with some project or f- show with him? We
1: have a few things in the works, but I can't talk about. Any no, of them no, but right I hope
0: uh, so but so yeah, you guys there's are talking. Yeah, a few
1: things hopefully that'll that'll pan out and you know, so keep an eye out.
0: Okay. Well, Camilla, thanks. I want to thank wanna you. Thank Josh. you. are the best. I want to thank you, Cat. Fun. <laughs> put him to sleep Um, thanks for doing it and uh, please follow Camilla and uh, she's terrific and please check out her dates on her website and uh, thanks for listening and I will talk to you guys soon
2: cheer up Brian you know what they say some things in life are bad they can really make you mad other things just make you swear and curse when you're chewing on life's gristle Don't grumble, give a whistle and this'll help things turn out for the best. Always look on the bright side of life. Always look on the light side of life. If life seems jolly rotten, there's something you've forgotten. And that's to laugh and smile and dance and sing. When you're feeling in the dumps, don't be silly chumps. Just purse your lips and whistle, that's the thing. Ain't always look on the bright side of life. Come on. Always look on the right side of life. For life is quite absurd, and death's the final word. You must always face the curtain with a bow. Forget about your scene, give the audience a grin. Enjoy noise, it, it's your last and chance anyhow. So always look on the bright side of death. Just before you draw your terminal breath. Nothing. You know what I say? Cheer up, you old bugger! Come on, here's oh, well, a side grin. Side there you on. are. See? It's the end of the film. Always Incidentally, on. this record's available always in the foyer. Right Someone's got to live as well, you know. <laughs> Who do you think pays for all this rubbish? They're never going to make the, the right money back, you know. I told him. I said to him, Bernie, I said they'll never make that money back.